start of the Holy Week. Yeah, you guys can grab those. Thank you. Um, and I was gonna, I was gonna uh, minister actually along those lines. And last night I'd been studying this week, and and uh, last night, uh, probably about four o'clock or five o'clock or so, the Lord said, the Lord said, "Hey, I want you to teach on this." So I said, "All right, well, we'll go a different direction." Praise the Lord. So, uh, so we're going to be talking about, uh, you know, we're going to be talking about actually. Uh, I, I titled this, No Worrying Allowed. No Worrying Allowed. Now, you know, with everything that is happening um, in the world today, probably one of the things that's happening more than anything uh, is worry. <laughs> you know, and it's every, probably everybody and their brother uh, is worrying about something. And you know, and if you if you put your eyes on the wrong things, it's easy to get in worry and into fear. So I want to, but I want to show you this morning. Stacy Stacy made that one comment. BJ did an incredible job last week ministering the word and and just talking about talking about you know really this this principle or this concept of um, and this is not exactly what he talked about, but but it, it sums it up pretty well. But really, really talking about that. If you believe the word, you know you either got to believe it or you don't. I remember Brother Hagen. Brother Hagen said one time, and I, I've heard a lot of people say this, but I, I just specifically remember one time Brother Hagen was ministering along those, along those lines, and and somebody said one time, uh, somebody told him said, "Well, I don't really believe that." You know, he was preaching on I, I can't he was preaching on healing or something. I'm sure, and and they told him they said, "Well, Brother Hagen, I really don't believe that." And, and Brother Hagin opened his Bible up to the Scripture and, and tore the page out of his Bible and wadded up and said, well, we better throw that away then. If you don't believe it, then, then you know, just take it out of the Bible. Because what good is it doing if you don't believe it, right? And, you know, and, and there, there's coming a time, well, actually the time is here. I'm not, I'm not saying there's coming a time, but the time is here to where, um, to where we, we have to, as Christians, we have to believe the Word. If we're going to survive until until the rapture of the church, we have to believe what he said in his word. And when we put more stock, when we put more uh, confidence, when we put more things into what the media is saying, into what science is saying, into what the, the latest uh, coronavirus update says, than what God's word says, we're setting ourselves up for a major failure. And and we we have to get back. I, I was asking the Lord this week, um, just you know, and it's easy. You you watch you watch people on, <clears throat> you watch what they say, you watch what they what they uh, you know what they post, what they what people are talking about. And and to be honest with you, I mean, and and I'm not saying this for sympathy, and don't you don't even have to respond to this, but but I repented to the Lord. I said, Lord. I said, I really and truly thought that I had done a better job teaching your word to prepare your people for a time just like this. And I said, I'm sorry that that I haven't done a a good enough job, that I didn't do a better job preparing your people not to be in fear. And I I just, I I did, I just repented. I, I wept before the Lord this week. I said, Lord, I'm sorry. You know, I mean, because... Because uh, I've seen people just flat fall apart, like brother brother uh, Andrew Wood says 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 they fold up like a two dollar suitcase. <laughs> and you know, and 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 I'm telling you, there there it's amazing to watch how people just people just um, they give in to fear. And I'm not condemning anybody. I'm not fussing at anybody. I mean, because you know, I mean, because because I've battled I've battled fear and. And, you know, because it'll jump on you if you let it, you know. But praise God, I know. I know what the Word says, and I know that I'm standing I'm standing in the Word, and I'm not... Listen, I have no fear. I have zero fear right now about about what's going on in the world. And you might say, Pastor, how can you say that? You know, you're not... You know, you're being irresponsible. No, I'm not. I'm believing the Word. If I die... If I die and, and, and I die believing the word, then when I stand before God, I can, I'll be able to tell him, well, I believed your word till I, till I took my last breath. That, listen, I would rather die that way than, than, than saying, well, I don't know, I don't know if the word's right or the world's right. Amen. And so if I die, if, if, if something happens and I die, I'll die believing the word, I'll, I can stand before God with a clear conscience. 
Amen. And that's, that's the way all of us should be. Amen. Um, you know, earlier this week, uh, I was praying and uh, President Trump came out and, and extended the third, or, you know, he said that the, uh, the, the guidelines that they had for the government, they extended them 30 more days. And that number 30 just kept popping out at me. And I posted a video about this. But, uh, but the Lord woke me up one morning, the first of this week, and told me that, that for, he said, you know, he said, April has 30 days in it. And he said that if he, he encouraged me to encourage the church, and, and I did that, and, and I'll keep encouraging you this, this entire month, um, to spend 30 minutes extra a day with the Lord concerning, uh, concerning this virus, concerning what's going on in the world, and not, not in fear, but, but speaking the word and speaking our authority and just worshiping Him, thanking Him that this thing is gone. You know, we don't need to be, we don't need to be puppets saying everything that the media is saying. We need to be saying what God's Word says. We put that, that picture up there of, I don't know if you can see it on Facebook or not, but it's a picture of a kitten looking into a mirror and, and, and the lion is looking back at him. And, you know, the, the, this year the Lord told me that it would, that it was a year that we need to see things, to see ourselves like God sees us and to see circumstances like God sees them. Now, let me ask you a question. Are you viewing, and, and I've got folks here in the sanctuary, and I've got a lot on, on Facebook there, but let me just ask you a question. Are you, do you really believe that you are seeing this thing the way God sees it? Are you responding to this the way God would respond? If Jesus were here today, what would He be doing? I can tell you this. Jesus would not make a lot of people happy. Because... The CDC of his time, the, the government of his time, just, just one example, and I'm not preaching on this, I'm preaching on something else, but just one example about Jesus. The, in that day, there were, leprosy was, was one of the major diseases that was spreading in that day. What they did, they, they quarantined lepers. And, and they took lepers and they made leper colonies. And, and they would take them away from the people because leprosy was so contagious. And, and, and if you had leprosy, you, if you came near somebody, near a clean person, what, what they considered clean, or somebody without leprosy, you had to start calling out, unclean, unclean, I'm unclean. Because you had leprosy. And people knew to get away from you. And, and it, and they could actually kill you. They would actually, they would actually take your life if you, if you went back into places that were, that were clean. If you had the, if you had leprosy, you had to go into one, outside the city walls. You were not allowed in the city. So Jesus comes along, and that's common knowledge. That's CDC rules. Don't touch a leper. If you touch a leper, you get leprosy. Jesus comes along, and there's a leper heard about Jesus, and a leper came to him, came close to him, and he said this. He said, if you will. In other words, that leper knew. He said, he, he probably said in his heart, listen, this guy raised the dead. He saw, I mean, he made arms grow back out. And this leper, maybe he was missing a few fingers and toes, because it would make your fingers and toes fall off. And this leper came up to Jesus and said, if you will, you can make me whole. Jesus didn't say, no, I want to stay six feet away from me. Well, let me get my mask out. Hold on. Jesus looked at that leper and he said this. He, he, it, says, it says he reached out his hand and touched him. And said, I will be made whole. Now, when he said that, listen, when he said that, that leper, the leprosy didn't just leave. If he was missing body parts, body parts grew back. You see, Jesus, listen, Jesus changes everything. Before Jesus, if you touched leprosy, you were a leper. Jesus said, wait a minute, I've got, I'm changing some things here. He said, let me touch the leper and let him become like me, whole. And you see, for the, for the men and women of God, it's time that we stand up and take our authority and say what the Word says. There's no sickness or disease coming near my house. Oh, Pastor, I wouldn't say that. I'll say it loud again. There's no sickness and disease coming near my house. I believe the Word. Well, Pastor, I just don't know about it. Well, 
you fend for yourself. I love you. I'll pray for you. I'll stick to the Word. Amen. All right, let me get off. I'll get off and leave that alone. Amen. So, so the Lord told me to pray for 30 minutes or to spend time with Him 30 minutes a day for, for all of April. What are we to do? What are we to do during that time? Are, you know, do we wring our hands and do we say, Oh God, do we beg God to please, to please come and, and take care of this virus? Cause I'm sure it took God off, it took God off, off guard. I mean, He did He probably didn't know anything about it either. I got a, got a funny feeling that God knew everything that was going to happen. You know, I mean, it didn't take God off guard. We don't beg Him to do something because here's the reality. Listen, in the Old Covenant, in the Old Covenant, when people prayed in the Old Covenant, they were always praying that God would do something at a future time. They were always praying for the future. They were always praying, God, when you come, when the Messiah comes, God, would you do this? God, would, you know, you will do this at this time. And, and their prayer was always future-based. When you come to the New Covenant, when Jesus came and He came to the earth and He lived and He died and He rose again and He, he instituted the New Covenant, He installed the New Covenant, what we call the New Testament, but the New Covenant, which the Bible tells us in Hebrews, is built on better promises... It's a better covenant built on better promises than they had in the Old Covenant. The Old Covenant, the, God introduced Himself to the people in the Old Covenant as Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals. Well, if we, if we have a better covenant built on better promises, then what does that do for us? That means God is still the God who heals. He hasn't changed. So in the New Covenant, our prayers should never be asking God to do something. And the reason why, we shouldn't ask God to do something. The reason why is because our prayers in the New Covenant is always based on what Jesus has already done. We're not begging God to come save us. He's already provided salvation. We're not begging God to heal us. We've already been healed. We're not begging Him to bring finances in our life because He's already provided provided for our prosperity. Amen. So see, our prayer time is not, God, please, please, please do something. God, please, if you don't move, if you don't do this, if you don't do that, we're all... No, our prayer in the New Covenant is this. Lord, I take the authority You gave me. And I speak to this and I command it. It will not come near my house. It will not affect my family. It will not affect my finances. I am protected by the blood of Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for what you did on the cross. Hallelujah. See, there's a big difference between the Old Covenant and the New Covenant. And unfortunately, many many Christians are still praying Old Covenant prayers. <clears throat> and, they, and they are still begging God to come and do something... And the one prayer I can guarantee you that God will not answer is asking Him to come do something a second time that He's already provided for. In other words, Jesus is not going to come back on the cross and die again. Because He did it once and for all. What He paid for on the cross is paid for from now to eternity. We don't have to ask God to do it. We just put ourselves in a place to receive it. Now, He's given us His Word. He's given us His Word and He's given us exactly His thoughts on these situations. You know, I'm sure in Jesus' time there were hard times. There were, there were many things going on. And, you know, and, uh, and Jesus, He never made an exception. Listen, one thing you can, and, and BJ mentioned this last week, and if you didn't see that, go back and watch last week's sermon. BJ did an incredible job teaching about this. But listen, one thing you'll find is this is that, that Jesus never put sickness on anybody to teach them a lesson. We talked about this last week in that Q&A about, is, is this God's wrath or is this, did God bring this to you know, teach us? But listen, you, can't, you will never find in the New... Or I haven't found it. If you can find it, you can show it to me and I'll stand corrected. But, but I have not found one scripture where it says that, that either God or Jesus put sickness on somebody to teach them a lesson. And if Jesus didn't do it, and the Bible says in Hebrews that He is the exact representation of God on the earth, then we can, I can guarantee you that God won't do it either under the new covenant. 
Amen. Now, he tells us some things here. He gives us some instructions. And let's look at Matthew chapter 6. And we're going to just start reading in verse 22. Matthew chapter 6. In verse 22. The scripture says this. Now, this is in, um, this is, it's in red. It's in, in other words, that means that this is Jesus talking here. And this straight from, straight from the, the mouth of Jesus here. In Matthew 6, verse 22, he says this. The lamp of the body is the eye. If therefore your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Now listen, what he, what he said, what he's saying there is this, and, and, and how I'm going to relate that scripture to what we're looking at today is this. What you look at is important. What you focus on is important. If you focus on the Word of God, then your light, the light that will come in your body, will be good. If you focus on the devil's report, if you focus, well, I'll just put it this way. If you focus on anything other than the Word, what you are focusing on is going to bring darkness into you. Now, that's, I mean, you know, well, Pastor, I need, I, I want to stay informed. I want to, I want to make sure I know what's going on. You know, that's fine. I mean, I, I understand that. I like to stay informed too. But I don't focus on it. I can hear it, and I, and, and I'll, this, I'm getting way ahead of myself, but, but the moment that I feel my peace leaving, I turn it off. Because one of the clear indicators that if you're, one of the clear indicators in your life of, of, you know, am I listening to the right or wrong thing, is your peace level. If you're listening to something and it doesn't bring you peace, I'll, I'll shut it off. And go find peace. Go find the Word. And so you have to focus on It's a choice. You choose what you listen to. Now, some of you, I understand if you're in the medical field, you know, you're seeing it before your eyes all the time. And you're, you know, and, and it's right there in front. And I understand that. And, and you know, and, and that's, you have to learn how to block that out and still focus on the, what the Word says. Probably even more important for you to do that. Now, let's look down at verse 25. Jesus goes on to say this. He says, Therefore I say unto you, Do not worry. That's the New King James. The King James says, Take no thought. Very important. Listen to this. Jesus didn't say, you know, he didn't he didn't uh, preface that by saying, "Now I know I know you're going to have to think about this." What did Jesus say? He said, "Take no thought." In other words, what does that tell us? That tells us it's a choice. It is a choice what you choose to think on. Brother Hagen always Brother Hagen always told that story about. Or, you know, said that, says you may not be able to keep a bird from flying over your head, over your head, but you can sure keep it from building a nest in your hair. Amen. You know, the the thoughts may come. You see things, you hear things, the thoughts will come. That doesn't mean you have to meditate on it. That doesn't mean that you have to sit there and dwell on it. Jesus said, take no thought. The Amplified says, He says, therefore, I tell you, stop being perpetually uneasy, anxious, and worried about your life. Stop being influenced and persuaded by what you're seeing on TV. We are believers. We believe the Word. Jesus Himself said this, do not worry. Every one of us should put a sign on our forehead to where we can see it or or put a sign on our windshield on our mirror or something with that with the words that I titled this sermon no worrying allowed when you start worrying you know we need a device that'll that'll slap us you know oh, I started work wow wow oh yeah I better not worry well that that would be a good invention I need to work on that amen <laughs> but he says therefore now listen let's let's read a little bit more 
Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life. What you will eat, what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food, and is not your body more than clothing? Now think about that. What is, what is the probably probably if we could if we could record people's prayers? Probably the number the number one category for people's prayers would be their personal needs being met. Having food on my table, having clothes on my back, having a car, having a house, having, you know, a job. And, you know, all those things are important. Listen, I like to eat. It shows. I mean, unfortunately, I like to eat a little bit too much. And, you know, and, and I, like, I like to have clothes on. I like to drive a car. I like to have a, a roof over my house. All those things are important. But listen to what Jesus Himself said. He said, is life not more than just food and drink? Isn't there something, isn't there more to life than just getting your needs met? What's the number, listen, what's the, what's probably the greatest fear? Well, I mean, one of, one of the biggest fears about this virus going on. Everybody's talking about, oh, well, we're, we're uncertain. You know, I don't know. The, the, the grocery stores are running out of food. No toilet paper. Still hadn't got that one figured out. No toilet paper. You know, no food. No, you know, I mean, what are we going to do? You know, how are we going to survive? What if, what if, what if I get the virus? You know, every, that's the fear. It, but every, all of the, probably the, the biggest fear about this is how will I provide for my family? What if I lose my job? What if I, what if, you know, what if we run out of food? What if we run out of money? What if we, you know, but it's all about personal things. And here Jesus, He's saying, He's telling us, do not worry. Now, do you think Jesus was just insensitive about the fact that people worry about feeding their family? Or clothing their family or making sure that their family's needs are provided? Of course not. Jesus knew that those were needs, but here's what, here's the point He was trying to make. He's like, I know that that's important to you, but you should not worry about it. Why? Because, and we'll see this as we go through here, because worry is opposite of faith. You cannot be in faith and worrying at the same time. Because faith in itself is a firm persuasion. Faith is a confidence in what you're believing for. And if I'm worried about something, that means I'm not confident. Amen. Now let's go on and read a little bit more. He goes on to say this, he says, Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather in the barns. Yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they are? So listen, the next time you start worrying, go outside and watch a bird. You know, I can guarantee you the birds aren't afraid of the coronavirus. They're not hiding from it. Why? They could care less about the coronavirus. Why? Because they're not designed to do that. And can I tell you something? You're not designed to worry. As a man or woman of God, you are designed to be a believer. And when we believe the Word, we don't worry. Oh, I love verse 27. Listen to this. Which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to his stature? Now, let, let me, I'll, ask, I'll ask this a different way. Um, and if I asked for a show of hands, we would probably all raise our hands because we've all done this. And we're, we're, listen, we're all guilty of worrying, okay? Every, every person probably that's ever lived has worried at some time. And if I were to ask you if you never worried then, and, and you didn't raise your hand, then I'd have to ask for those that just sinned because you would be telling a lie. Because we've all worried. But let me ask you this question. How many of you have ever worried your child well? In other words, your child's sick. You know, we start worrying. We start getting in fear. Oh, well, well, well you know, what's this symptom? What's that symptom? Oh, oh well, so-and-so had that. Oh, I'm, I'm just, I'm worried, I'm worried, I'm worried. You know, well, how many, how many of us have worried 
our child well? None of us. Because worrying does nothing. It's kind of like I heard one person say, worrying is kind of like a rocking chair. It gives you something to do, but it won't get you nowhere. You know, I posted that, uh, posted that quote on Facebook from that, that baseball player. He said, he said this is his philosophy for work or for life. He said this, he said, he said, uh, ain't, he said, he said, ain't no sense in worrying over something you got control of. Cause if you got control of it, why worry? I'm not quoting it exactly. I can't remember the exact quote. But then he said this, he said, ain't no sense worrying over something you ain't got no control of. Cause if you ain't got no control of it, why worry? That pretty well sums it up. You know, so, so, I mean, you know, and so worry does nothing for us. Puts some gray hair probably on us and, and, you know, and, and gives, gives people ulcers and, and other sickness comes when you start worrying. But, but how many, how many of you have actually worried your problem to where it disappeared? Usually when you start worrying about a problem, it grows. It feeds it. And it makes it grow, and it grows, and it grows. Why? Because our eyes are not on... Our our focus is not on the answer. Our focus is on the problem. And when our focus is on the problem, you'll never see the answer. So Jesus said, He said, you know, you can't do that. So verse 27, verse 27, which of you by worrying can add one cubit to his stature? Verse 28, so why do you worry about clothing? Then He says, consider the lilies of the field. How they grow, they neither, they neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now Solomon was probably the richest man that ever lived. And, and I'm sure that he had some nice clothes. I'm sure he, he was fully decked out. I mean, man, he, I mean, there wasn't nobody dressed, you know, and, and even when the Queen of Sheba came to see Solomon that day, remember the Bible says that she passed out. When she saw when she saw how fine his attendants were dressed, and how well the table was set, she she passed out. So could you imagine what Solomon looked like? But here Jesus said this. He said, "Not even Solomon in all of his glory was arrayed like one of those beautiful flowers that that just pops up out of the ground." I, I'll never forget. I, I was riding four wheelers. This is back when I was just a teenager. We were riding four wheelers and we, and we went to this guy's, um, property and nobody had been there in a long time and it was in the springtime. Everything was blooming and everything was beautiful. But we got up to the top of this mountain, up to the top of this hill and we come, we came across it and there was this field of nothing but just wildflowers. And nobody had touched it. Nobody had driven through the field. No animals had been in it. I mean, it was just a perfect field of just beautiful wildflowers, just, you know, bigger than this room. I mean, just, you know, bigger, as far as you could see almost, you know. I mean, just wildflowers, just beautiful field. And, and I thought at that time, I thought of this scripture about, you know, what if I was the only person that ever saw that field with those flowers blooming like that? That was one of the prettiest scenes I'd ever seen. I mean, that was still a beautiful scene, that those wildflowers were so perfect in that field. And you know what? I may have been the only person to ever see that. Yet God, God did that. And, and I could say it this way. He did it maybe just for me. He planted that just so I would see that. And I would have that picture in my head. And that's what he said. He said, he said think about this beautiful flower that's here today and gone tomorrow. Don't you think you're more important to God than that flower? So why are we worrying about clothing and food and what's going to happen with this virus. What he's saying is this. He's bigger than it. He can take care of us. Amen. Verse 30, he goes on to say this. Now, if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will He not much more clothe you? Oh, you of little faith. If God cares about the birds and about the flowers and about things like that, do, you, do we really and truly believe that He can't take care of us from a virus? Where's your focus? What are you looking on? 
Yeah, if you're looking at what the... Listen, you realize, they put that number out there. They, they came out, you know, a couple weeks ago, last week, I guess. They came out and, and President Trump said it himself. And, I mean, I wish sometimes they just wouldn't give so much information. You know, because President Trump said, he said, if we had done nothing... You know, if, if, we had, if we had not stopped anything, put no practice into place, whatever, 22 million people would have died. No, 2.2 million, wasn't it? It was 2.2 million people would have died in, in the United States. And then, of course, you know exactly what every headline is. 2.2 million people could die from the coronavirus. Oh, 2 million people? Oh, there's no hope. We're, we're doomed. See, that number should not even have been put out there because we did do something. He put a, he put a block on the people coming in and, and he did the social distancing and he did, and, and they started looking for the drugs to help and they did, they put all these things in. That two million number was never in the equation. But yet that number got put out there and it brought fear over everybody. Everybody that saw that headline. Two million people could die from the coronavirus. Really? Where, where are you getting your information from? Thank God for scientists. Thank God for doctors. I mean, I'm not belittling that at all. Trust me, I'm not at all. But we have to get our information from God. If you want to get your information from the world, then stay in fear and try and live the best you can, and I, I pray you make it through it. But I'm not getting my information from the world. I'm believing what God said. God said He can take care of me. He can take care of the birds. He can take care of the, the, the lilies of the field. And I am much more important to Him than a bird or a flower. Because He gave His Son to die for me. His Son did not die for a bird. His Son did not die for a flower. His Son died for me. And so therefore, I can say with assurance that I'm much greater than a bird or a flower. And if He takes care of them, I know He'll take care of me. Yeah. Amen. <clears throat> Verse 31. Therefore, do not worry. He said it again. Do not worry. The Amplified says, do not worry and be anxious. We shouldn't be anxious. We shouldn't be nervous. We shouldn't be in fear. Yeah. Amen. What, saying, what shall, we, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear, or where will we find toilet paper? Man, I heard a testimony. I, I won't say any names, but somebody goes to church here because I didn't ask for permission to, to share this. But, but said that, said that uh, they, they ran across somebody, and, and they were just talking to him. They asked, hey, do you need anything? And he's like, no, we're good. He said, you know, said, and he just kind of made a, made a joke in passing. He said, well, said we, we hadn't found any toilet paper yet. You know, he was just kind of laughing about it and stuff. And he said, like, two days later, he got a knock at the door, and he's thinking, who's that? And this guy that he made that passing, you know, that passing comment to showed up at his door with two packs of toilet paper. He said, hey, he said, I came across these. He said, I just thought about it. He said, here, I want to bless you with them. You know what? God can take care of bringing you toilet paper. He can take care of bringing you food. He can take care of bringing you clothes. He can Listen, so why worry about these natural things? Learn to hear the Spirit. Learn to follow what the Spirit of God is saying. Verse 32, For after all these things the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. Verse 33, but seek first the kingdom of God. The, the Amplified says, but seek, aim at, strive for, first of all, His kingdom and His righteousness, His way of doing and being right. And then all of these things will be added to you. If you put Him first, He will take care of you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about his own things. Sufficient for the day is his own trouble. The, I love the message translation starting there in verse uh, 31. The message says this, What I'm trying to do here is to get you to relax. Church, hear me. What I'm trying to do here this morning is get you to relax. 
No worrying allowed. No worrying allowed. Just say that. No worrying allowed. Look at your neighbor, your husband, wife, or kids, whoever's with you. No worrying allowed. Amen. So the message says, what I'm trying to do here is to get you to relax. To not be so preoccupied with getting so that you can respond to God's giving. People who don't know God and the way that He works fuss over all these things. Oh, I can preach right there. Listen, the church should not be looking like the world in this crisis. But you know God. But you both know God and you know how He works. So steep yourself, steep your life in God reality. God initiative. God provisions. Don't worry about missing out. You'll find that all of your everyday human concerns will be met. My, my, my. Now listen, you can't just say, well, I'm just not, I'm going to stop worrying right now and not do nothing else. Because you know how worry came? A thought. Something you saw. Something you heard. So, so you can't just say, well, I'm going to stop worrying. What you got to say is this. I'm going to make the decision to think on the right things. To think on what God says about it. To look at that picture that we put up about that cat looking in the mirror look, and seeing that line looking back. I want, I want to see and hear what God says about this. And that's what I'm going to do. Turn with me to uh, Philippians. Very familiar passage. We all, you know, we quote this quite a bit. Philippians chapter 4. Amen. I know I can't see the, the feed, but hopefully some of you are amening and, and agreeing with me on there. <clears throat> Amen. I'll go back and look at it later. So Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. Philippians 4, verse 6. Now this was Paul talking to the church at Philippi. Okay? This is, so we heard what Jesus said. Jesus said, do not worry. He didn't say, you know, well don't worry, if, if, if it's not too bad, then don't worry. Jesus never qualified that statement. He made a blanket statement that said, do not worry about anything. Right? Can we all agree with that? Verse 6, here Paul to the, to the Philippian church, he said this, and this is from the New King James, but he says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Now listen to the Amplified says it this way in verse 6. The Amplified says it this way. Do not fret or have any anxiety about anything. Now there's not an asterisk there. A lot of times, you know, the Bible will put an asterisk if it, if, it, if it has a footnote or something. There's not an asterisk there that says, except for the coronavirus. There's not an asterisk there that says, except for if the sickness is too bad. Or if the famine's too bad, then, then you can go ahead and worry and be fret, fretful and anxious. That's not what he said. Paul said, do not fret and do not have any anxiety about anything. But in every circumstance and in everything, by prayer and petition, a definite request with thanksgiving, continue to make your wants known to God. And God's peace shall be yours. That tranquil state of soul, assured of its salvation through Christ, and so fearing nothing from God and being content with its earthly lot of whatever sort that is, that peace which transcends all understanding. Now listen to what that peace will do. 
It will garrison and mount guard over your hearts and over your minds in Christ Jesus. Now, what does that mean? That word garrison and mount guard, those are military terms. That means it will surround you. That means it will protect you. It, it, it's going to build a fortress around your heart and around your head. Why is that? Because if I'm only thinking on things that bring me peace, then I don't ever have to worry about losing my peace. And see, and if, if, I'm, if I'm not fretting and I'm not anxious, and I'm taking everything to Him in prayer, then that peace is going to totally overwhelm me. The peace that passes all... How, well, Pastor, how can you be so confident? How, how, can, you, how can you not be afraid that, that you're, going to, you're going to give everybody in your church the coronavirus because you're still open? Because I believe the Word. And I believe that if any virus is in this place, I believe it has to die before, before it can get out of here. I believe even before it comes in here, that virus is dead. Listen. There's no worrying aloud. And then, but then, now listen, something very interesting. The very next verse, verse 8, and, and I was telling the worship team this morning, as I was studying this, you know, I've read this hundreds of times, I know. And, but I've never connected verse 8 with verse 6 and 7, like I did this morning. I was just reading it this morning, and it just clicked with me. And I mean, I know it's right there in the same in the same vein, in the same paragraph, in the you know in the same flow. I understand that. But 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 when I when the Lord told me that thought that that you can't just say I'm going to stop worrying, but you've got to replace worry with something. You got to think something different. Whatever's causing you to worry, think something different, and let it bring peace to you. So here he said this. Paul said, "Listen, don't worry, don't fret." About anything. Don't be anxious about anything. But pray and let God's peace overwhelm you. And then verse number 8, he goes on to say this. Um, he says, Finally, my brethren, what things, whatsoever thing, whatever things are true, what are noble, what are just, what are pure, what are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there's any virtue, if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. So in other words, you ask the question, well, Pastor, how can I not fret during this time? How can I not worry? Listen, some people start worrying if they're not worrying about something. I'm serious. I mean, I know people like that. If they're not, if they don't have something to worry about, I've heard them say, well, I'm just worrying about something. What's happening next? Because I always have something wrong with me. You know, people are always just looking for something. You know, I heard somebody say, I heard somebody say, you know, uh, in a funeral one time, I think I heard him say this, that they said, he was such a good man, said he worried about everything. And I'm thinking, that's not a good testimony. You know, I don't want people to say, well, oh, that pastor, he worried about everybody. Well, guess what? I, I'm not worrying about you. You're my heart. And, I'm, and, and, and I love you, and I have a passion for you, and I want to see you succeed, and I want to see you walk out of this in victory. But I can't worry about you. Because worrying does nothing. If you're sitting at home worried about what's going to happen, get in the Word. Turn some worship music on. Stop worrying. Put a big sign up. No worrying allowed. Shout it from your rooftop. No worrying allowed. Amen. Listen, worrying is one of the biggest hindrances to people's faith. Because when worry comes, and listen, there's different degrees. Fear, fear and worry, they're, they're first cousins. Brothers, probably. I don't know. Twins, maybe. <laughs> but you know, there's different degrees of fear and, and worry. It, it may start with just dreading something. But you know, if you let that run its course, it can lead all the way to where you're so panicked you can't move. It'll paralyze you. Fear and worry, if you let it run its course, it will paralyze you. You know, I, I looked up the word phobia. I was thinking about this when I, when I was thinking, um, I, I, I don't even know why that word came up, up in my spirit, but, but I looked up the word phobia, and the word phobia meant this. It, meant, it said, it's an unrealistic fear of something that never would have happened, is what a phobia is. 
In other words, I've known people that, that are afraid of heights. You know, they have the phobia of heights. Well, guess what? I mean, nothing's going to happen to you just because you go higher. I know people that are afraid of spiders. I know people that are afraid of ants. I mean, listen, I looked at, I asked the question, I asked Siri how many phobias there were. You know what Siri told me? He said, more than you can count. I was like, what? You know, but there's literally thousands and thousands of phobias. I mean, there's a phobia for everything. But a phobia is based on an unrealistic expectation that something is, something is going to happen that never will have, would have happened. And people are afraid of all kinds of things. And you know, and, and listen, and probably all of us have some type of phobia, to be honest with you. I mean, we're all afraid of, of something or another, I mean, that, that freaks us out. You know, I mean, and, but, but, and that shouldn't be. Because the Bible says this, listen, the Bible says that the truth will set you free. And the truth will set you free from every fear that you have. Now the question is, how many of you in here know all the truth there is to know? Well then there's room for all of us to grow. And the more truth we know, the less fear we'll have. You know, First John talks about that perfect love casts out fear. And it says that if you fear... Then that's, 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 uh, it, it says that if you fear, then it said that that is an indication that you don't under, you truly don't understand the love of God. You know, because fear carries with it an expectation of bad. If you're fearing something, you're fearing the worst about it. You know, I'm not, I'm not, uh, uh, let me think how to say this. <clears throat> You know, if, 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 I, if I did something, like when I, when I was growing up, when I was a kid, um, and, you know, and, and I knew it was time for my dad to get home, and I'd had a good day and nothing, nothing, I'd done nothing wrong and everything was fine, I was, I was excited to see my dad when he pulled in and dad would come home and, I mean, it was good, I was glad to see him. I wasn't in fear for my dad to get home, but maybe I threw a baseball through the window. Maybe I knocked something over and broke a vase or something. You know what? I had a fear for when my dad was getting home. Because my dad was always the one to punish me. Mom never, not, mom never did whip us. She, her, mom's, mom's threatening word was always, wait till your daddy gets home. So you know what? When I, when I, when I had something that I knew that my dad was going to be upset about, you know what? I had a fear when he got home. I dreaded seeing him pull in the driveway. Because I knew he would ask mom, how was your day? Well, let me tell you what happened. Oh, Lord. <laughs> you know, so see, all of us, all of us have that fear. And, and I, I posted something on Facebook again this morning. Uh, and something I posted a couple years ago said that, said that one of the worst things that we can have is the fear of thinking that God is chasing us down for something we've done wrong bad. But it says in reality, God's chasing us down to bless us. Grace is greater than all of our sin. You know, the worst thing that we can, the worst picture we can have of our Heavenly Father is that He's mad at us. God loves you. He loves me. He cares for us. And as, as I'm getting ready to finish here, listen, I just want you to, I want you to, to hear this. And think about this. Let me ask you a question. And this may take some thought. I don't know. I mean, you may have to think about this. Is there ever, according, now according to what Jesus said, and according to what Paul said, we've got two witnesses there. You could go to the book of James, James chapter 1. And, and James talks about, James says, you know, don't let a man, if you lack wisdom, let him ask of God. But it said, don't let a man, you know, ask being double-minded. Because he said, if you're double-minded, in other words, if you're if you're in fear one minute and faith one minute, and you're you're wavering back and forth, he said, don't let that man think you'll receive anything from God. You've got to be single focused. You've got to keep your mind stayed on God. So let me ask a question: Is there ever a circumstance or a situation where it's okay to be in fear and to let worry stay in our body? According to those three witnesses, now this word is, I'm not, I'm not giving you my opinion, I'm showing you what the word said. I've shown you this morning just what the word said. 
according to those three witnesses, it is never okay for the Christian to be in fear and to have worry and to be fretting and to be anxious. If, if you are in fear, if you're fretting or dreading or, or anxious about something, if you're in fear over something, then that tells us immediately that we're not in faith. And that's not okay. As a matter of fact, now listen, now I, I mean, sometimes, sometimes I understand. Sometimes this might, I mean, it might come across hard and it might come across, you know, like, you know, and I can, I can, I can just hear people right now. I can, I can hear some of y'all just saying, but Pastor, you don't understand my, my situation. You know, you don't understand what I've been through. And listen, we all have our own stories. We all have our own history. But, you know, the Bible tells us, listen, the Bible tells us that anything that is not of faith is sin. If worry and fear are opposite of faith, or, or can't exist at the same time, they may not be exact opposites, but, they're, but they can't, you can't be in faith and worrying about it at the same time. You can't be in fear and in faith about the circumstance at the same time. Right? I mean, I, I, I mean, as far as I know, you can. I mean, and I, I don't know a lot, but I mean, I, my understanding of the word tells me that if you're in faith, if you have a confident expectation, if you have a firm persuasion about something, then, then there's, there's no fear in it. So, so that would tell us that if we are in fear and we're worrying and we're dreading and we're anxious about things. That will tell us then that we are actually stepping over into sin. Now that's a thought, isn't it? Well, Pastor, how, why is that? Because, because listen, any time we put anything greater than God, we, we are getting ourselves into trouble. You go back to the Old Covenant. Now listen, the Old Covenant... Even in the Ten Commandments in the Old Covenant, you shall have no other God before me, he said. Right? Jesus fulfilled those. I mean, you know, he, as when he came and, and, and he fulfilled the law, but yet, you know what? Those, those principles are still there. If you put something before God, then you're making it a God and you're putting, you're putting God in second or third place. And that's not good. You know, and we have to, you know, and what did Jesus say? He said, he said that, he said, you know, that somebody asked him what was the greatest commandment. And he said, he said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And he said, on those two things, you can hang all of the law and the prophets. So what does that tell us? That tells us that when we put Jesus first, and when we put God first, then we won't be in fear about anything. And if we're in fear, that means that we've taken Him out of first, and we've put something else up there. And that's not good. And it's not good for any of us in any, in any circumstance. So, so today, let's, let's leave today with, with this attitude and this mindset that says, I will not allow worry and fear to, to, to dictate my life. No worrying allowed. If worry comes, then you know what? I've got to get back in the Word. If I start fearing something, then I've got to get back in the Word. And I understand, yes, we obey, we obey the, the natural laws and, and, and we respect the, the things they put into place, but you know what? I'm not, I'm not fearful. I, I, I have zero fear in my, in my life concerning this coronavirus. Because I know my God. Now, that don't mean I go out and do stupid things. I don't go out and lick door handles and things in public. And I mean, you know, come on. I mean, we God gave us common sense. I mean, you know, yeah, I mean, we're not out there tempting. Because I believe that, I'm not out there tempting Him, saying, come on, God, see if you can give it to me. Well, He don't even have it anyway, so He couldn't give it to you in the first place. 
you know, I mean, these, these, the, the things that they put into place are crazy. We went to, I was going to buy, stop by Home Depot yesterday, and they put these new regulations in or whatever where they're only allowing so many people in the store. And so I drive by and I look, and there's like 30 people standing outside waiting to get in, and they're all in one big group. And I'm thinking to myself, they'd be more spread out if they were in Home Depot. But here they are outside in a big group standing right there talking to everybody. And I'm thinking, that defeats the purpose. Making people stand outside for an hour talking to each other. You know, when they could be in and out and be home fixing their things. I mean, just it's crazy what people are doing. But yet, but yet, you know, grocery stores, same way and all this. And, and yet people are, are, are saying, well, we can't come to church. Listen, this place is probably the cleanest place in Lancaster. Compared to a grocery store and, and gas stations and... and you know, man, I mean, we, you know, we use this place two or three times a, a week and, and it's cleaned and sanitized between every service. I mean, so there's no fear. You shouldn't be in fear to come out and worship. If God is not strong enough to keep you from catching the coronavirus, then let's shut our Bibles and go home. Amen. Listen, do not allow fear and worry to dictate your life. We, I mean, you know, Jesus said it, Paul said it, James said it. You know, you can't be double-minded. If, if You've got to have one eye, one thought, one purpose, and that's God. And when, when, when our eye, the Bible says, when our eye is single, that, in verse 22, Matthew 6, 22, when, I, when our eye is single, the light that's in us will be great. You know, when our eyes are on Him, then He, he, he takes care of the birds and the the, the, the birds and the flowers and, and everything, are we not much, that much greater than He is? It's time that we do what we're called. We call ourselves believers, so let's believe. Amen. Now listen, I encourage you this week to take that 30 minutes. I'm doing it. I, I was worshiping this morning and, and taking that 30 minutes, and I spent about an extra 30 minutes this morning, got up early, and I spent an extra 30 minutes just worshiping the Lord. And just thanking Him that, that me and my family is protected, that our church is protected, that, that I was thanking Him for, for you, I was thanking Him for all of you that are watching. You know, uh, even in your prayers, don't get in fear in your prayers. From the New Covenant perspective, we pray from a place of victory. Jesus has already conquered this on the cross. We're not begging Him to come and stop the coronavirus. He's given you and me the authority. Listen, this morning, I, I'm glad I said that because I, I forgot to mention this. This morning, as I was worshiping, I heard the Lord just say this. He said, and, and last Wednesday, not this past Wednesday, but the, follow, the Wednesday before that, I preached a sermon on, on uh, the authority of the believer. And I talked about how we need to take our authority and we need to rise up and, and, and use the authority that God's given us. And... and uh, and I was talking to the, the Lord was talking to me about that this morning, and he said, he said, Stephen, that's why that scripture, I think it's in Ephesians, where it says that, uh, where it says that when when the whole body works together, and all the parts come together working, and every part supplies its its function, that that's when the body will be edified and growed. And he said, he said this, he said, Stephen, you can, he said you can take authority over you and your family, my kids, and and to a degree the church. Because because I'm, I've been established, he's established me as the shepherd of this church. But listen, I can't I can't necessarily take control over the whole nation and claim that this this virus is going to be gone from the whole nation because right. <clears throat> I don't have that authority. Right. But now listen, when all of us come together, I was as a matter of fact, I, he started talking to me that I'm read I read the prayers that Paul prayed in, and I promise I won't be long. I'm almost through. I read these prayers that Paul prayed every day, and I've been praying them for the church. I've been praying them for myself, for the worship team. Um, this month, I'm praying them for you know for all of the church. I'm calling your your guys' names out as the Lord gives gives them to me. But at the end of Ephesians one in verse twenty two, he said this, and this is when the Lord started talking to me. He says, he says, and he has put all things under his feet. This is talking about that God has put everything under Jesus' feet, and he has appointed Jesus the universal. And the supreme head of the church. But now listen to this. It's a headship exercised throughout the church, which is his body, 
the fullness of Him who fills all in all. For Now listen to this last phrase. For in that body lives the full measure of Him who makes everything complete and who fills everything everywhere with Himself. What, what that's saying is this. Listen, that's saying that, that the body, everybody, I, I'm part of the body, but you know what? I'm not the whole body of Christ. I'm a part of the body. Right? We are all a part of the body. Here it said this, that it says that, it's the, that, that the whole body, when it comes together, that's when we carry the authority, of the 100% authority that Jesus gave the entire body. So it's when you and me and Stacy and Amanda and Noah and Madison and, and Paul and, and, and Alan and Nancy and Rich and, and Gary and Josh and Betty and Billy and Joanne and Stephen and Kenneth. It's when we all come together and it's when we all rise up and start taking all of our authorities. Joshua, it's when all of us come and we take all of our authority together that we can see Lancaster changed. And then it's when the church down the road starts taking their authority and the church in Charlotte, the churches in Charlotte come together and take their authority and the churches in, in this town and that town. That's when we start seeing a change for the world. It's called unity. And it's when we all come together. And there's not one part greater than another part. We're all in this together. Jesus is the head. We're all part of the body. We have to rise up body. Everybody. We can't be sitting, we can't be sitting on the sidelines waiting for somebody else to do something. God is waiting for you to supply your part. It's when you, right there, you, yeah, you, when you supply your part. When I supply my part, when we all supply all of our parts together at the same time, the earth will be shaken. Come on, man, that's good. Amen. Well, I'm going to leave you on that note. Amen. So my question to you is this. Are you, are you supplying your part? Are you doing your part? We all have a part to play. We're all in this together. Amen. And whether you're at home, whether you're here in the building, it doesn't matter where you are. Listen, we all have a part. It's time we rise up, take authority, that we no worrying allowed. If you listen, if the, if if you're in authority and you're worrying, then everybody under you is going to be worrying. It it starts from the head down. We've all got to step up and say, no worrying allowed. I won't get me a T-shirt. No worrying allowed. Amen. <laughs> Put it on a bumper sticker or something. No worrying aloud. Amen. So let's go this weekend. Let's not let worry and fear dictate our lives. Let's take our place in Christ, knowing the authority that He's given us, and let's go, let's go put a stop to this coronavirus. Together. All of us rising up, taking authority, speaking, speaking over this thing, speaking over our city, over our church, over our families, over, over our state, our nation, our world. Amen. And we're, we're going to see, we're going to see God get the glory out of this. Cause I do believe the church is rising up. And I believe the, I believe the world will start seeing the church rise up, taking its place. And when, when it does that, that's when God's going to get the glory. And people will see that there's a God that's still alive. Amen. Amen. Well, let me pray for you as we go. Father, I thank You for Your Word this morning. I thank You for the time of worship. I thank You for the Word. Thank You for those that are watching via live stream or re-watching the, the rebroadcast of it. Father, I pray, for, I pray for that peace that passes all understanding just to flow over them, Lord. And Father, our declaration this morning is no worrying allowed. We're not going to allow worry to infiltrate our lives any longer. And Father, so I thank You for that. I pray for every person that's here in the building. I pray for every person that's watching. Lord, if there's a sickness, if there's a, if there's a germ or a virus or something that's trying to get on them, Father, we curse that in the name of Jesus. We say You cannot stay here. In Jesus' name, we are healthy and healed because of what Jesus did for us on the cross. And we claim that and we receive that right now in Jesus' name. Father, we pray over our church's finances, over the people's finances. Father, this, this economic, uh, 
situation will not affect people in at Destiny Bible Church, Lord. Our faith and our belief is in You, and You will protect us. And Father, we claim that. As a matter of fact, Father, we, we will prosper during this time. Because, Father, our faith is in You. And I thank You for that. I thank You, Father, that, that we will see an end to this virus, an end to this, this pandemic of fear. And, Father, we rise up and take our place. And, Father, and our place of authority that You've given us under the headship of Jesus Christ, who is the head of the body. We are that body. So we take our place and we, we, we bring, we bring the, the supply that every one of us have and we speak that, we speak it out and we take authority over this thing and command it to leave this city, this county, this state, this nation in Jesus' name. We give you glory and honor, Father, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you everybody that's here. God bless you guys. We love you. We'll see you later on this week. You're dismissed.